kind of in the process, I so I was actually exploring three different ideas, and this was always the one that was easiest to make, people responded to the best, and there was just a like almost evolutionary process that this was the right idea to work on. Um, so you can't connect dots diagonally in the game, and that like has haunted me for for several years. Um, so I don't know if it would have been a better game or like more successful or what would have changed, but that's the one like alternate reality path that I never am quite sure what could have happened there. Every business, whether or not they realize it, is an idea business. The people at Gray have a long history of creating famously effective ideas, and so with Gray Matter. We explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creative minds from all corners of life how they came up with their best ideas. And that's what matters for Gray Matter. This week, a literal look at how to connect the dots from a great idea to a great execution. And whether you go up, down, or diagonal, a strong idea gets you to the right point. Hi everyone, I'm John Petrolis, Worldwide Chief Creative Officer at Gray. And this week's idea is a very popular mobile game and the idea that made it a winner. For this week's episode, we have Gray's social lead, Kenny Gold, interviewing Patrick Moberg, co-founder and CEO of Dots. Dots is a really fun, beautifully designed game for mobile devices. Dots launched in May 2013 and captured an audience of millions in its first month. Since then, the project expanded into a full game company that is creating unique, thoughtfully designed titles for big audiences. They've reached about 45 million players across their first two games, and they're just getting started. This is a great idea because it's a little bit of digital culture, a little bit of gaming culture, a little bit of art, all combined for an experience greater than its parts. So today, Patrick is gonna share how the idea of the game evolved based on how people responded to gameplay, how he maintained the simplicity and elegance of the concept, and how the idea evolved from an experience into a company. This is Patrick Moberg. So I made a mobile game called Dots in 2013 um, that kind of started almost as an art project-ish, but uh, kind of found a uh, rabid fan base quickly and then grew a company out of that idea. And how did you think of the idea? So it was um, during a program at a company called Betaworks, which is an investor and incubator in New York City. Um, they had something called the Hack and Residence program. So it was uh, sort of designed to be about three to four months long. Uh, the constraints were that uh, you could pick any idea you wanted, but it had to be prototypable within that time frame. So I had always kind of bounced between uh, illustration and technology, um, and games were kind of this great synthesis of that. So I took the opportunity to pursue um, making a game, and it turned out to be Dots and... Uh, Pretty awesome. <laughs> it's it was, addictive. It was a good, uh, great opportunity, sort of the right time for mobile games. And, uh, you know, I think I was naive enough to know what not to do and what, or to make the important mistakes. And within the game, do you, in creating it, yeah. was there an insight that you latched onto? Was there some sort of inspiration? What led you to, I know you were talking about how it was an, almost like an art project, yeah. but what drove really the creativity behind the idea? So I kind of knew that I wanted to make a game. And then as soon as I knew that, I started to think about what it should look like. Um, and this trip that I took the year prior to Japan um, kind of stuck in my head, a lot of the visuals from that. Um, it was in a, a 
town called Matsumoto, which is where Yeo Kusama's from. So she does a lot of artwork with dots and sort of these uh, interactive installations and something about the way they were like simple, but beautiful, but also like fun to interact with kind of stuck with me. And that felt like the type of idea I wanted to bring to mobile. Does she play the game? <laughs> uh, I haven't heard if she does or not. <laughs> and in terms of bringing it to life, it takes a little bit of courage to go after something like a mobile game. And, yeah. you know, it's not, you know, you don't come up with that every day. What in your background, in your story, gave you the courage to go after an idea like this? I think a big component was the Betaworks program. So it was baked in that you would have to launch something. And so it was kind of your, I don't know if reputation is the right word, but there was some sort of sort of uh, self-motivation to hit that deadline that was really important. And then I think the, the program was set up so there was eight other people also working on, on ideas. So Giphy was one of those ideas. And just a kind of that friendly competition or even just having people uh, like yes and your idea uh, really helped that sort of motivating factor to get it to that launchable state. It's like 10% of my mobile battery is Giphy and, <laughs> Giphy and Dots. So... Um, so for those who've never played the game before, give us the 411 on dots. Sure. So there's been three different versions that we released. The first one, um, which we now call Dots Classic, was a very simple grid of uh, six by six dots, so 36 dots total. They're five different colors, and you connect them um, to clear them off the board. And so it started very basic, and it's kind of the one twist that almost came out uh of the visuals very organically was the idea of a square. So when you make a square, it clears all of the dots of that color. And what's kind of nice about that is then squares beget squares. So when you have less colors, there's more likely chance to have a square. Um, and so that like perpetuates this kind of square run. Um, but it started out just as a simple score chasing game. So a lot of the people early on would just play to compete with each other and how many dots you could clear in 60 seconds or 30 moves. And then about a year later, we, we um, dusted off this idea that we had to make puzzles out of them. And since then, uh, that turned into two dots. And that is a more of a puzzle sort of um, puzzle game with uh, lots of new mechanics introduced over time. So it started very basic, and now it's evolved into sort of uh, two other games that uh, sort of use those core tenets but expand on them. And if you're colorblind, there's a colorblind mode, <laughs> yep. which I appreciate. <laughs> Great. The game itself is really simple at its core. The original version is quite simple, but in a lot of ways, it's really elegant and beautiful. What led to that thinking? How did you design something for such simplicity, but also such elegance? It's kind of two main drivers. Uh, the first was like, so at the time, I was seeing a lot of people on the subway playing games, but none of them really like reached out to me. Um, I wanted something that visually looked looked different, so. Um, part of the aim was just to try something that, that looked different. And then the other one was like kind of a production, um, reality. Like I was the only person on the team at the time. So doing something that I could, uh, get done in three months was kind of the reality I was faced with. So, um, that kind of solved both of them just by keeping it very simple. Um, uh, you know, colored dots on the screen. So you thought of the idea, designed the game, executed the coding. Yep. All of it. All of it. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> Thanks. Do you play the game yourself? Yeah. I've kind of been shocked that whenever I'm stressed out, I still like open it back up and there's like a weird moment of relief in it. 
Are you any good at the game? <laughs> I think I'm better than average, but not the best. Uh, talking a little bit about your support system and how Dots came to be. So understanding sort of the hack nature of what you were able to do at Betaworks and uh, having that support system there. Who outside of that was in the support group? I think so. One key person to call out is Paul Murphy. So he was kind of in, uh, in charge of the, the Hacker and Residence program. And then when... Uh, when Dots kind of took off, he knew I would need some help on some of the more administrative and sort of thinking about it as a business side of things. So he was he was really gracious to kind of join as a co-founder. And um, I think even early on, he was really good at challenging. I kept wanting to make it simpler and simpler, but he challenged uh, to add a, bits of complexity. And so that really is what added some of the key parts of the game were sort of challenging questions from him. He didn't have the answers and he didn't, um, sort of tell me what to do. He just kind of asked really important questions at the time. And then outside of that, I think the Betaworks network was was important. So not even people at Betaworks, but kind of their friends and family. Um, pretty early on, we sent out a build and had analytics in it. And so we would see that, you know, this person's partner was playing at 3 a.m. Um, when they didn't really have to, you know. So that was an early indicator that there was something uh, working here. So... In the life of Dots and in the life of your development of Dots, what was the worst piece of criticism you received? And how early on in the process did you actually receive it? I think there, it may have been like self-imposed where, uh, <laughs> so leading up to launch, I got sort of skittish about how simple it was. I was like looking at other games in the market and I was like, oh, maybe it does need to be like, I think Bejeweled was a big one at the time. So I was like, maybe it does need to be like, uh, more garish and like have a gold background. And so I mocked it up and, you know, it was still a simplified version of that, but looking back on it now, I was like, Oh, that would have been so awful to kind of run with that. So it was just kind of this self-imposed sort of skepticism that keeping it simple would work. But thankfully we, we ran with it. You're your own worst critic. <laughs> Absolutely. Was there anyone you were really surprised played the game that you were like, Oh, that person plays my game. Um, I think Arya Stark from Game of Thrones plays yeah. it, or the uh, Arya Stark. Maisie. Yeah, Maisie. Maisie. Yeah. Um, so she tweeted out about it. Um, it's pretty cool. There's been a few other like celebrities. I'm trying to think. Uh, that was probably the most surprising one. Um, yeah. A cultural icon being <laughs> yeah. played by a cultural icon. <laughs> I love it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what inspires you and how you come up with great ideas are there music podcasts shows that you watch listen to that really inspire you i think it's it's less about i, I definitely like uh you know listen to a bunch of podcasts music everything there's no artist in particular or podcast in particular but i think just being exposed to new ideas and then kind of exploring those um and then kind of like committing to getting better at the craft of game making uh, I suppose there's there's um, some good YouTube channels and podcasts about that craft, um, but they're often not about mobile games in particular. So it's kind of abstracting the lessons they have and then being able to apply them to kind of our main focus, which is mobile. Um, and then it's kind of always tinkering on on different ideas, kind of not knowing where they might lead. So favorite color in the game? Uh, the like teal green is like the play button, and so. That's probably the most forward momentum button. 
Do you ever play in colorblind mode? <laughs> I don't, but I have a good friend who's is uh, severely colorblind, and he's like adamant that I never take it out and like continue to support that. So it'll well, now that be in there. yeah, now that we've met, yeah. you can't take it out. <laughs> Definitely, it's not. my only way to get through my subway ride. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it's kind of interesting to be at this point where you've created something that lives in culture. Proud of the idea, love the idea. Oh want to put it you know in your one word biography <laughs> yeah absolutely i feel like um <clears throat> uh it's interesting to have an idea that again was kind of this artistic endeavor turn into a business but i feel like that's fairly like um representative of my personality like i, I definitely want to pursue arts but you know being able to make a living out of it and sustaining it is definitely the other half that's important to consider so super proud of it and even more proud of kind of the the company that we built around it because it it really I think Paul was kind of amazing at uh teasing out the ideas in the game and then sort of elevating them to the studio level so a lot of the um ambitions in the game were then sort of how we hired people just kind of people with uh they didn't even have to have game experience backgrounds but just like kind of a diverse uh perspective on what games could be so we've been able to sort of you know, grow that idea. So I'm both proud of it and the studio. Cool. What's the best dots inspired gift you've received? Do you have artwork <laughs> in your home? Did someone make something awesome for you? So it came very recently and it was, um, somebody made a Game Boy Color version of it. So they, they wrote it in, uh, I don't think it's assembly, but it's like kind of a, a you know, obtuse language that you have to then flash onto a Game Boy ROM and they, they, presented a full sort of Game Boy box with a cartridge inside and it plays and it has sound and like it it's fully functioning and it was kind of this incredible gift. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. If you're allowed to talk about it, is there a game that you love that isn't from your brain? <laughs> uh, for sure. Um, Threes was a really uh, incredible sort of uh, game with like a tricky backstory where, you know, it was a premium game. So they, they charged three bucks for it and then somebody ripped it off for free, um, put it out and, uh, got a ton of installs. And, um, so it's like a really tragic story. They, they published all the emails behind it, but the game design in that is just like incredible and the great visual design, but it was that double-edged sword of simple ideas that, that can then be sort of, you know, ripped off very easily. Has anyone ripped off dots? There's definitely been a bunch of clones. Um, it's always interesting to see what they don't copy, which is like the small details around the animations or, or different sort of finesse like that. Um, we did, you know, kind of when you're under the umbrella of something like Betaworks, they're, you know, legally savvy. So we now uh, go after the ones that we think are um, uh, outside of what's appropriate, but there's some that are, that are fine. It's just kind of when they encroach on certain things, then we have to protect our IP. Sure. And what sort of advice would you give the young college student, post-grad, moving to a big city? What's the advice you give them? How do you continue to pursue the dream? Um, <clears throat> I think the best advice I got was to take your idea, cut it in half, and then cut it in half again. And that's like when you can start to sort of uh, have something that you'll you'll be able to execute on. So, you know, a lot of that went into, into dots. And even now, I'm I'm trying to get other people on the team to think that way because 
it just helps you get to the core of what the idea is about and then you can execute on it and you can always add more stuff, but getting to like the essence of it, I think is really important. And then, you know, with, with people just starting out in their career, making a bunch of stuff and putting it out, I think, you know, I used to do more illustration stuff, but I would just try to post stuff every day, every other day on Tumblr and, and kind of that, you know, notice what people were liking and what was resonating with people. And that kind of, I think, honed my ability to sort of, you know, just kind of make things that would be, uh, at least, um, kind of resonate with a, a large audience. Even writing this question down, I feel like it might be too simple of an ask, but you came up with a super simple idea, a dot based game. And then like calling your dog dog, <laughs> you decided to name the game dots. So how'd you get there? Was it too simple to be true? Did you ever have that moment? Yeah. So I have a, <clears throat> I have a very clear document of all the different names that we considered. Uh, cause it, it, that was the first thing we called it internally. So it was like the most obvious thing was the right answer, but we got really skittish about knowing if people would be able to find it in the app store or if there was, you know, other games by that name. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a laundry list of other really bad names that we considered, but I think it was just kind of, you know, going with our gut and then, uh, realizing that in the app store, you there was something else called dots, but, um, you know, it wasn't published. It's just like, you can, you can only input a name that's unique in the app store. So, uh, <clears throat> so we called it dots colon, a game about connecting. And that was like, uh, kind of this twofold meaning. It was like a, a game about connecting dots, obviously, but it was also like, you know, it was a game about connecting my passion for art and technology and like different ideas that were floating around in my head. Um, so it was like this double meaning that just, I think presented that there was more than meets the eye to the simple idea. It's kind of the, the perfect name for introducing what the game was about. It has triple meaning cause it also connects people. Yeah. So it's really, it, it's really elegant and simple, uh, but it serves a big purpose. So, yeah. uh, care to tell us one of the other alts. <laughs> I think must love dots as in like a playoff must love dogs, which like, I don't even know why I thought that, but, uh, there was a whole sort of thematic exploration that went into thinking about that idea. But ultimately we just went with the simple dots. Good choice. One of the things that I think is pretty challenging, I've never made a game before, but what I could imagine to be challenging is you make something and it's interesting for you and it serves a purpose for you. But then getting into the minds of the player and starting to imagine what their experience is like. So when you created Dots, was the ambition for it to be relaxing? Was it meditative? Is it cerebral? Was it meant to keep you fresh and, and sharp or both? What was sort of the, the thinking behind the consumer benefit of Dots? Sure. Um, <clears throat> so the game opens up with a quote um, from Charles Eames, and it's... Uh, says eventually everything connects and you know i was reading a lot about him watching uh different documentaries and stuff and this idea that him and uh ray Eames had was the best for the most for the least it was kind of the best quality uh products for the uh most amount of people for the least amount of money and something about that really struck me as like a, a great way to make a company so you know the biggest sort of 
promise that I wanted to fulfill was that this could be a game that could be played by uh, lots of different types of people. So I think even even very young kids can play it um, at a very like kind of base level, but just the, in the concept of connecting dots, you can you can get through a, a, a game. And then if you wanted to, you could kind of layer on this complexity of like trying to get high scores or, or um, making like a, the most optimal moves, um, kind of however you wanted to scale it up, the challenge could be there or it could just be this meditative experience. So, you know, that was kind of the intent. And then we've, we've carved out different modes to support those. So now there's an endless mode that a lot of people asked for that has no sort of score at all. It's just kind of an endless stream of dots. So, um, there's, there's kind of a different mode for each type of player in there. So looking ahead, where do you see yourself in five years, independent of, of dots? Hmm. Um, I used to do a lot more illustration, so I want to get back to doing that. Um, I think I've kind of uh, refocused to kind of grow the company in the way that I think it should grow and like kind of uh, finding the right people to, to help it grow. Um, but kind of in a few years, I want to get back to sort of that personal art of illustration. And where do you see dots in five years? So we're on a really good footing now. Like we're on a good trajectory. So I, uh, you know, the plan is to kind of keep growing, maybe open another studio, um, and, uh, and definitely release more games. It's been a, a challenge so far, but I think we're getting closer to, to, to fulfilling that. Um, but I think it's all about kind of doing that in a sustainable way with like the right type of people and, and good people that we've been lucky to have so far. Awesome. What's your high score? Uh, in time, yeah, six thirty-two, and it moves five twenty. I think I'm gonna have. Yeah, <laughs> this is gonna be my night tonight. Is just going and trying and beating those. And it's awesome. Thanks, Kenny. That was great. That was a really interesting path. So what struck you about how Dots went from a simple art idea into what's really considered a technology experience? First and foremost, I really loved how he made something that was so simple but extremely deep. Yeah. It was pretty cool to see his thought process. He was inspired by an artist in a certain style, and he took something that was so personal to him and he smashed it together with a massive consumer behavior, and what came out of it was mass appeal. Um, so he took core tenets that we as creatives should latch onto, simplicity but with depth, mm -hmm. um, and attaching something to a consumer behavior so that it would resonate with people, and he turned it into something that's got staying power in today's world of apps that have fleeting moments in the sun mm. he created something that will be in the app store and stand the test of time so pretty fascinating stuff i mean it, it's funny it hits on a couple things i think have come up a few times in our discussions with how you get to an idea with a lot of different people simplicity comes up again and again and again and i think maybe a lesson we can take away from this sometimes you, you can trust simplicity simplicity is hard it is hard to get to, and often people feel that something simple isn't enough, so now i got to figure out what to add to it or pull, but he's stuck with the simplicity of it, and obviously that's yeah. his strength. That's It's absolutely true. He could have put it on a million different channels, and he could have tried to build it out and found celebrity influencers and really tried to push it in a million different directions, but simplicity was the key to his success. And I think the other one is personal is allowing that which personally inspires you and believing enough in that that 
that that will potentially inspire the world or, you know, that an idea that resonates with you at your center is enough that could resonate with a lot of people. Absolutely. And that could feel very serious, but also you could see something as jovial or as fun as a game. So it can can really span uh, in a lot of directions. That's right. Uh, all right, so this has been great, and how, how can people play the game? Well, if you know how to download an app, you know how to find this game. Whether you're on iOS or Android, you'll be able to find it. And I'll be pretty disappointed in everyone who doesn't own the game already. All right, thanks a lot, Kenny. That was great. And thanks, everyone, for listening to Gray Matter. For more from founders, creators, and inventors and how they thought up their ideas, be sure to subscribe to Gray Matter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate and review and tell your friends. Follow Gray's social pages for more information about Gray and new upcoming podcast episodes. So thanks, everybody, and thanks for listening to Gray Matter. Gray Matter is hosted by John Petroulis, Produced by Graham Nolan, Christina Torres, and Joey Scarillo. Mixed at Townhouse Studios. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.